Chapter 8, Part 1 of the Story of My Life and Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Kennedy. The Story of My Life and Work by Booker T. Washington. Chapter 8, The History of Tuskegee from 1884 to 1894, Part 1. From 1884 to 1894, comparatively little was heard of the school in the public press, yet that was a period of constant and solid growth. In 1884, the enrollment was 169. In 1894, the enrollment had increased to 712, and 54 officers and teachers were employed. Besides the growth in the number of students and instructors, there had also been quite an increase in the number of buildings, and in every way the students were made more comfortable in their surroundings. By 1893 we had upon the school grounds thirty buildings of various kinds and sizes, practically all built by the labor of the students. Between 1884 and 1894, I think, the hardest work was done in securing money. Regularly, during this period, we were compelled on account of lack of accommodations, to refuse many students, but very often they would come to us under such circumstances that, though lacking in accommodations, we could not have the heart to turn them away, especially after they had traveled long distances, as was true in many cases. Students seemed willing to put up with almost any kind of accommodations if they were given a chance to secure an education. During this period, either Miss Davidson or myself, or sometimes both of us, spent a great deal of time in the North getting funds with which to meet our ever-increasing demands. This, of course, was the hardest and most trying part of the work. Beginning early in the morning, the day was spent in seeing individuals at their homes or in their offices, and in the evening, and sometimes during the day, too, Addresses were delivered before churches, Sunday schools, or other organizations. On many occasions, I have spoken as many as five times at different churches on the same Sabbath. The large increase in the number of students tempted us often to put up buildings for which we had no money. In the early days of the institution, by far the larger proportion of the buildings were begun on faith. I remember at one time we began a building which cost in the end about $8,000, and we had only $200 in cash with which to pay for it. Nevertheless, the building was completed after a hard struggle, and is now in constant use. I remember at one time we were very much in need of money with which to meet pressing obligations. I borrowed $400 from a friend with the understanding that the money must be returned within thirty days. On the morning of the day that the thirty days expired, we were without the four hundred dollars with which to repay the loan, and were, of course, very much depressed in consequence. The mail, however, came in at about eleven o'clock and brought a check from a friend for exactly four hundred dollars. I could give a number of other such instances illustrating how we were relieved from embarrassing circumstances in ways that have always seemed to me to have been providential.
although the institution has had occasions many times to give promissory notes in order to meet its obligations there has never been a single instance when any of its notes have gone to protest and its credit and general financial standards have always been good with the commercial world i have felt deeply obligated to the white and colored citizens of tuskegee for their kindness in helping the school financially when it did not have money to meet its obligations we have never applied to an individual or to either of the banks in tuskegee for aid that we did not get it when the banks or individuals were able to aid us the banks have been more than kind often seemingly inconveniencing themselves in order to be of service to our institution in the earlier days of the institution when we had little in the way of income on several occasions i have started to the depot when i had to make a journey away from tuskegee with no money in my pocket but felt perfectly sure of meeting a friend in the town of tuskegee from whom i could get money and i have never been disappointed in this respect in eighteen eighty three we received our first donation of five hundred dollars from the peabody fund through dr j l m curry the general agent at that time dr curry formed his first acquaintance with tuskegee and as i have stated elsewhere from then until now he has been one of our warmest and most helpful friends the amount received from the peabody fund has since been increased until it now amounts to twelve or fifteen hundred dollars each year in connection with this appropriation from the peabody fund it may be interesting to relate a conversation which took place between dr curry and one of the state officers in montgomery alabama the state officer in question was telling dr curry that there were several other schools in the state that needed help more than tuskegee did and that because tuskegee through the effort of its teachers was receiving money from the north and elsewhere which other schools were not getting he thought we were not entitled to help from the peabody fund dr curry promptly replied that because we were making an extra effort to get funds which other schools were not getting was the strongest reason why we should be helped in other words he told the officer plainly that we were trying to help ourselves and for that reason he wanted us helped from the peabody fund through the constant efforts of miss davidson and myself in the north and south the financial report for the first two years of the school showed receipts amounting to eleven thousand six hundred and seventy nine dollars and sixty nine cents the rapid increase in the growth of the school and in the confidence with the people may be shown by the fact that during the third year of the existence of the school the receipts nearly doubled themselves as compared with the second year we received the third year the sum of ten thousand four hundred and eighty two dollars and seventy eight cents which was nearly as much as we received during the two previous years by far the larger proportion of this amount came in small sums very often amounts came from individuals that were as small as fifty cents one of the things that constantly touched and encouraged us during the early years of the school was the deep interest manifested in its success by the old and ignorant colored people in and near the town of tuskegee they never seemed to tire in their interest and efforts they were constantly trying to do something 
to help forward the institution. Whenever they had a few chickens or eggs, for example, to spare, they would bring them in and make a present of them to the school. The income of the institution for the fifth year amounted to $20,162.13. For the ninth year, $30,326. For the eleventh year, $61,023.28. For the fourteenth year, $79,836.50. At the end of the third year, we were able to report that the school owned property unencumbered by debt that was valued at $30,000. During the third year, Alabama Hall, to which I have already referred, was completed at a cost of $10,000. The report of the school's history for the fourth year shows that we received from all sources $11,146.07. During that year, we got into a very tight place financially and hardly knew which way to turn for relief. In the midst of our perplexity, I went to General Armstrong, and he very kindly loaned the school money to help it out of its embarrassment, although I afterwards learned that it was nearly all of the money that he possessed in cash. In my fourth annual report to the trustees, I used the following words. Greater attention has been given to the industrial department this year than ever before. Three things are accomplished by the industrial system. One, the student is enabled to pay a part of his expense of board, books, etc. in labor. Two, he learns how to work. Three, he is taught the dignity of labor. In all the industrial branches, the students do the actual work under the direction of competent instructors. I have not had occasion to change in any great degree the foregoing sentences as representing the purpose for which Tuskegee stands. During the fifth year of our work, we were able also to add a sawmill through the generosity of General J. F. B. Marshall, to whom I have already referred. The addition of the sawmill enabled us to saw a large part of the lumber used by the institution. In order to give many worthy students an opportunity to secure an education by working at some trade or industry during the day and studying at night, we opened in the fall of 1883 our first night school. The night school was opened with one teacher and one student. From this small beginning, the night school has increased until at this writing there are 450 students. By working in the day and going to school at night, the night students earn money with which to pay their expenses the next year in day school, and if they bring a good supply of clothing, they can earn enough together with what they earn during vacation to keep them in school two or three years after they enter day school. I cannot better indicate the constant growth of the school than by giving a description of our seventh anniversary which took place May 31, 1888. There were more than 2,000 people present in spite of rain that came in showers. During the morning from 9.30 to 12, the regular work of the entire school was carried on in the various departments, which were open for inspection. In addition to the regular work, products of the shops and farms were exhibited. 
the course of study then extended over four years with two preparatory classes it included the english branches for the literary part with instruction in one or more of the following industries throughout blacksmithing carpentry brick masonry brick making plastering framing stock poultry and bee raising saw milling wheel writing printing mattress and cabinet making sewing cutting and fitting washing and ironing cooking and general housekeeping from these various departments the following articles were exhibited at the blacksmith and wheelwright shop were seen two one-horse wagons plow stock small tools express wagon body wheelbarrow spring wagon seat and various other articles in the carpenter shop there were wardrobes a center and a leaf table washstands bookcases bedsteads washboards picture frames chairs paneling molding lads etc in the printing office there was an exhibit of the general work of the office such as blanks checks catalogues promissory notes diploma blanks minutes of associations and conventions annual reports bill and letterheads envelopes circulars handbills invitations business cards certificates etc with sample of the two monthly papers which were then printed at the institution the southern letter and the gleaner from the farm and poultry yard there were vegetables hogs cattle chickens turkeys guineas geese a peacock eggs bees and honey mattress and chair making were features that had been added to the industries that year and were especially satisfactory the mattresses exhibited compared favorably with those made anywhere in the laundry there was a tastefully arranged exhibit of laundered bedding dresses collars and cuffs shirts ladies and gentlemen's underwear table linen and towels the sewing room showed samples of all kinds of ladies gentlemen's and children's clothing with laces mats tidies etc at the brickyard there was a kiln of a hundred and twenty thousand bricks ready for burning about the sawmill there were stacks of its products the cooking class had a tempting display of its work in cakes jellies bread yeast meats and a roast pig among the first things seen by a visitor coming to the school from any direction was a large new brick building olivia davidson hall this building was almost entirely the product of student labor under the supervision of mr brown instructor in carpentry at that time who also planned the building the school then had three large and comfortable buildings porter hall contained resuscitation rooms offices library and reading room chapel and dormitories for boys with the school laundry in the basement alabama hall with a large frame annex built that year was used for girls dormitories and contained in addition teachers and students parlors and dining rooms and kitchen armstrong hall contained young men's dormitories reading and sitting rooms bathrooms printing office and two resuscitation rooms in addition there were several cottages on the grounds while a new one and a large barn 
the latter to cost perhaps two thousand dollars were in process of erection in the early years of the school the anniversary exercises were held in the school chapel which was the small chapel in porter hall but from year to year the influx of patrons and friends from far and near had so increased that the chapel would no longer hold a fifth of them that year the audience of two thousand including the four hundred students was assembled in a rude pavilion built of rough timber and partly covered by the wide-spreading branches of some mulberry trees here after partaking in a substantial dinner furnished by the school and friends students and visitors assembled a long procession was formed of students teachers and graduates which marched from alabama hall to the pavilion to music furnished by the school band and there the exercises of the seventh anniversary were held there were ten members of the graduating class of that year as follows andrew j wilborn valedictorian tuskegee alabama letitia b adams tuskegee alabama caroline smith tuskegee alabama shadrach r marshall talbotton georgia philip p wright lafayette alabama william h clark brunswick georgia eugene lyman opelika alabama sarah l hunt salutatorian sparta georgia george w lovejoy alusti creek alabama nicholas e abercrombie montgomery alabama the total enrollment for the year was four hundred the school farm then contained five hundred and forty acres of farm and timberland the sawmill had furnished most of the lumber for the buildings and other carpenter work done that year and for that purpose saw logs had been cut from the school land the school property was then worth about eighty thousand dollars the income for the year had been twenty six thousand seven hundred and fifty five dollars and seventy three cents this amount about covered the expenses including the ten mentioned above the school then had forty-two graduates during the year previous all the graduates had been engaged in teaching for some part of the year all the members of that year's class were christians they went out as teachers of various kinds in the state of alabama the young women had a knowledge of washing ironing cooking sewing and general housekeeping in addition to their intellectual attainments one of the six young men was a shoemaker one a carpenter one had considerable knowledge of the printer's trade and one was an excellent plasterer the annual address at that commencement was delivered by hon john r lynch of mississippi and for eloquence practical thought and helpful information could hardly have been surpassed there were a number of tuskegee's best white citizens present while the colored citizens came out en masse to witness the exercises that launched into life three youths from their own town montgomery was represented by one of her military companies the capital city guard and a hundred and twenty-four of her best citizens for whose accommodation special trains were sent out in order to emphasize the fact that people at tuskegee during its early history were not idle i give the daily program which was in effect in january eighteen eighty six five a m rising bell five fifty a m warning breakfast bell six a m 
breakfast bell. 6.20 a.m. breakfast over. 6.20 to 6.30 a.m. rooms are cleaned. 6.50 work bell. 7.30 morning study hours. 8.20 morning school bell. 8.25 inspection of young men's toilet in ranks. 8.40 devotional exercises in chapel. 8.55 five minutes with the daily news. 9 a.m. class work begins. 12 class work closes. 12.15 p.m. dinner. 1 p.m. work bell. 1.30 p.m. class work begins. 3.30 p.m. class work ends. 5.30 p.m. bell to knock off work. 6 p.m. supper. 7.10 p.m. evening prayers. 7.30 p.m. evening study hours. 8.45 p.m. evening study hour closes. 9.20 p.m. warning retiring bell. 9.30 p.m. retiring bell. End of chapter 8, part 1.